New drive, new bike, new kit, new lace, new helmet, fresh colors, new place, new face. After this season, it will be a new race. Get from start to finish at a new pace. Two years on cliff, I'm on a new team. My game will be up to next level. Me and listen up, world. I got new dreams, so much motivation. I'm busting at the seams. His name is Scott Tedrow. He said hello. I have an opportunity. Put your girl in yellow. This won't be mellow. This is next level shit. So your engines, we're gonna get fit. Aiming real high. Tokyo is it. Can you handle it? This is gonna be lit. When most people think of Olympic athletes, words like intensity and focus come to mind. Humor and fun-loving aren't generally top of the list. Leah, a two-time Olympic mountain biker and 2016 World Championship silver medalist, is an incredible combination of both. She can turn it on and off, all the while laughing and having an awesome time. Now, while this sounds silly, most of us, and I'm totally in this camp, struggle to think of Olympians as real, breathing humans. They have personalities and feelings just like us normal people. So even if they look like gods, and they pretty much all do, they're still flesh and bone and a bundle of emotions. Leah's ability to compartmentalize her intensity and simultaneously laugh and have a great time draws friends, fans, and sponsors to her. Leah, I'm your fangirl. My name is Leah Davison. I'm a professional mountain biker and two-time Olympian. Leah grew up in the U.S.'s best state obviously Vermont, and fell in love with mountain biking in high school. A friend at the time, he was really into mountain biking. We were running track together and he goes, you know, why don't you stop running around in circles on the track and you can try this mountain biking thing. And he loaned me a bike and it was like, you know, love at first sight. She and her sister Sarah competed together and actually started out in cross-country running and downhill skiing. Sabe and I kind of grew up outdoors and, and playing all these different sports, and we kind of settled into downhill ski racing, cross-country running, and then we both discovered mountain biking and cycling. And so, you know, there's no one that you want to win more or, or <laughs> who you want to beat that, you know, your sibling and your sister. So she proved to be the best training partner and, and we really pushed each other and, and we trained a lot together. So I think we both pushed each other to be the best versions of athletes that we could. And Sabre continues to show support for Leah. You know, my sister has a zest and kind of joy for life that is palpable. And she has always been incredibly true to herself. I've always admired her for that, um, being able to be in front of people and unapologetically happy in who she is. I remember <laughs> she did a stage race and was waitressing at a local restaurant. And she had raced for three or four days and then came back and was the hostess at a restaurant and had to squat behind the podium because her legs were so sore. <laughs> and, uh, and so she would pop up when somebody would come and be like, hi, how can I help you? And so thank goodness her waitressing career was short-lived and uh, <laughs> and she, she made the jump, but... 
that was one moment where I was really proud of her. And, and, you know, at the beginning of her career, what people don't know is that, you know, she would be in 60th in a World Cup. And there's a certain amount of tenacity that comes with ticking off 10 spots a year in those World Cup races. And she did that consistently. I've always been very proud of her for her ability to keep a positive mindset. Her mental fortitude is something that just generates a tremendous amount of pride. Andy Bishop, Leah's coach, has known both her and Sabra since they were teenagers, when Leah was still new to mountain biking and quite the daredevil. She was this no-holds-barred type of personality. So much so, like that I thought, oh my God, she's going to, I was so worried because she had no fear, it seemed like. And I'm thinking, oh my God, she's going to crash. She's so out of control. And she's going as fast as my World Cup teammates, you know, and on these wet and rooty descents. But coming from her Alpine area, that was probably just being out of control was just part of her personality. And as expected for any elite athlete, one of the highlights of Leah's life was qualifying for the 2012 Olympics in London. It was a reality, like a a lifelong dream had turned into a reality. And we arrived with my teammate, Georgia, and all of like, I mean, we're talking three big duffel bags of Olympic stuff from Nike and Ralph Lauren was waiting for us. And so we, I was just kind of like, we're both excitingly like tearing through it. And I'm like, this is so cool. And we like both put on something, some form of clothing and kind of like looked at each other and we're like, oh my gosh, we're at the Olympics. So yeah, that was kind of the, one of the moments when it like the dream crystallized, it became a reality. And then it's just a series of those moments like over over that next week, you know, arriving to the starting line, the noise, the closing ceremonies. It's unbelievable. That was definitely a highlight. Leah came in 11th at the London Games and went on to compete in Rio where she came in 7th. She was in the process of trying to qualify for Tokyo pre-pandemic, but as we all know, things haven't exactly gone according to plan this year. That said, Leah says that her training as an athlete, which requires a lot of flexibility and resiliency, actually prepared her for this moment. In order to be a successful elite athlete, you need to have a lot of flexibility because you're traveling, you're constantly in a lot of different scenarios, you can't control everything. So I think we're well-trained. We were well-trained for this moment, although it was very... It was very tough. And, you know, especially at the beginning, I didn't know if the Olympics was still going to happen. Was it not? And having that pressure, like kind of the Olympic pressure of I need to train, I'm not in the in the ideal circumstances. And so I actually felt like a sense of relief after they said, we're going to postpone the Olympics and, and try to have it in 2021. The Olympic qualification race was scheduled for May 23rd, 2020, and Leah had spent her entire year preparing for this day. The goal hasn't changed. I still want to go to the Olympics. I still want to medal. It's still out there. It's still an opportunity. So, okay, I'm just going to put my head down and 
and keep training as, as hard as I can, you know, and, and do the best that I can. That's kind of how I've been, I've been dealing with it as well as enjoying a unique opportunity to be at home (laughs) with my wife who I don't get to see a lot. So that's been really, really great. I've been moving and on the road for the past 20 years as a professional cyclist. So to be in one spot for four months is like a miracle and a very unique experience. Mountain biking is a sport that in many ways is pretty equal across genders. Men and Women's World Cups are on the same course and are run on the same day. They both get equal TV coverage. But growing up, there was not equal gender participation, which is one of the factors that led Leah and Sabra to start Little Bellas a nonprofit that creates opportunities for girls to experience mountain biking and female mentorship. Little Bella's is truly about having fun outdoors and, you know, making something that's inherently hard accessible to everyone. Mountain biking isn't easy. And so there's an there's a innate amount of challenge that comes with riding a mountain bike and being able to shepherd our growing girls through those challenges has been something that's so fun and so rewarding. We use mountain bikes um, as kind of a vehicle for empowering women, empowering little ladies, and creating a welcoming space, a welcoming community for our female mentors, as well as our little Bellas. The reason we started it is because my sister and I had, you know, multiple experiences growing up in mountain biking and, and racing the junior ranks. So that's like you're under 18. And we would roll up to the start line and there would be like, I don't know, five women. And then the junior boys race would go off and there would be like 50, 50 junior boys. And we're like, you know what, this has to change. I think one, also one of the factors that was motivating us to create Little Bellas is the fact that we didn't see a lot of positive female role models out there. And so we wanted to give girls a a selection of positive female role models to choose from. So, you know, women from all different walks of life and all different personality types. And that was kind of our vision to have this group of female mentors come together and then have these girls be able to choose, oh, I connect, I can see myself in that woman. Leah has been outspoken about her sexuality since 2018. She's been a forerunner for the LGBTQ cycling community. Historically, sports have been an area of high stigma for those who identify as LGBTQ. Many gay athletes worry that if a sponsor knows about their sexuality, they simply won't support them. This mindset is starting to change. Leah and her wife, Fraser, were highlighted by one of Leah's cycling sponsors, Garneau, during Pride Month. This was a first for Leah. I spoke to Fraser about this experience. In Pride Month, I think, you know, for me, she's an obvious choice, and I think they must have felt the same way. So it was, I thought it was a pretty cool, pretty cool moment. And just to hear her her history and her story of it, having never never had a sponsor or a brand celebrate her during Pride Month or having anything to do with her sexuality or, or even truly acknowledge it in a positive way. I was really pleased 
and like it was it was really meaningful to see her have that moment when she hadn't in the past. It was the first time that one of my sponsors had highlighted me and and my wife, well then fiance, as like something positive. Like they threw us out on social media and they and we I was like celebrated for the full person that I was and that was an incredible experience because that had never happened to me in all those years before so what are 18 years leading up to that I mean I was just Leah the female mountain biker that was never like an aspect of me to be celebrated they made Fraser and I custom wedding kits cycling kits and they they like promoted it on their social media and email blasts and everything. So I think those two actions really motivated me to be like, oh, the cycling industry accepts this. And some of the cycling industry even celebrates it. I wanted to understand the thought process behind Gardno's decision to openly endorse Leah. So I asked them. For us, it's great. I mean, we're, we're happy to support her and to be behind her. And when the wedding approached, we thought we could do something cool for them. So we prepared that kit. It was a super cool looking kit. And we decided to give those kits to them as a gift. And they were so excited about it that they, they even wore the kit for a photo shoot. As they were getting ready for hair and makeup, they were wearing our skin suit. So that, that was fun. And this is an important message for all walks of life, especially like those younger athletes that may be struggling with their sexuality and kind of coming to grips with, yeah, they're scared. Like if, if they're out, will a sponsor sponsor me? Will I get on a team? Because it's hard enough as it is to find support and, and to get on a team. So you don't want any, any factor to be like, no, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna sign them on because of it. So I think just being me out loud, you know, and, and being like, hey, I'm a two-time Olympian. Hey, I've been on a lot of these trade teams and I've been a supported professional cyclist um, earning, you know, money for 20 years and I am gay. You know, that's a, that's a powerful message. And I think that sets other people free in similar situations to do the same. Oh, I'm going to be me and it's okay. I can be successful. Leah's experience as an openly gay Olympic athlete had me curious about sexuality in sports, particularly for women. So I sat at an expert on this topic. I spoke with Dr. Susan Kahn, professor of history and global gender sexuality studies at the University of Buffalo. What are the most common challenges that gay professional female athletes face? I think there's still a stigma, even though being gay has been much more accepted in society. Sports are sold through sexuality still, and that has meant heterosexuality historically, so that sports advertisements try to make women look beautiful. They celebrate women's attractiveness, their sexual appeal, and there's a sort of triangular association between masculinity, lesbianism, and sport. And so when women are really good at sports, there's still sometimes an either an assumption or insinuation that they must be lesbians. And so that historical backdrop still taints gay women athletes who are trying to 
break through into advertising and sponsorships. So I think that's changing to some degree, but I don't think in, in golf or tennis, it's been very easy for women to come out. And those are the sports that get the biggest sponsorships and they're more conservative. They're still coached on uh, makeup, on feminine appearance, which again, doesn't mean that lesbians can't also be feminine in appearance, but the association is between femininity and heterosexuality. What role can openly gay athletes have in the LGBTQ movement? I think that they end up being, you know, representing success to the LGBTQ community, athletes who are successful, who, who you know, they're winners. And so everybody, every movement looks for models of success. And so I think that there's just that sort of symbolic role of being successful LGBTQ representatives. But I think also what they really can do is challenge homophobia within sports because sports has been such a key location of homophobia against men and women that it's one of the ways of, of pushing the movement forward is challenging homophobia where it, in its strongholds. And so to the extent that gay athletes are willing to call out homophobia and aren't just trying to get promotional deals and sponsorships, but are willing to put themselves on the line and speak out for the issues they care about. And it just, it will push forward the LGBTQ movement in both challenging homophobia where it exists and giving people something to celebrate. The countless other female out LGBTQ players um, who fight so hard every day Lend your platform to other people. Lift other people up. Share your success. Unless the stereotype is broken, then society doesn't really change or accept anything else. Bring your rainbows. Bring your flags. Be loud. Be proud. Doesn't matter if you're LGBT or an ally. Just be there. I think to know that they're successful LGBTQ athletes, just like actors, singers, for people who've been historically excluded from mainstream society, those images of mainstream success can sometimes signify acceptance and, and offer hope. One of the things that most inspires me about Leah is that she isn't cynical or even resentful about the obstacles that she's personally had to overcome. Rather, she continues to press forward towards her goals while constantly looking back and opening doors for others coming after her. She's a voice of inspiration for the girls at Little Bella's, but also for the larger LGBTQ community, helping us all understand how we can be better allies. We need to listen. We need to realize that we don't know all the answers. And so to be able to lean into that and, and learn, but also, find ways to support, you know, find, are there actions that we can take? So like, let's stand up together against this rather than just kind of like shying away and being, or questioning, you know? So it's the opposite of that. It's like showing up and being open and being willing to get out there and, and take action and support. Thanks for joining me on Flame Bears. 
tune into the next episode where I'll chat with Nikki Nieves about her experience growing up without a hand, becoming a world champion sitting volleyball player, and her identity as an Afro-Latina. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on your listening platform so you don't miss an episode. And while you're at it, please leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Catch you on our next episode of Flame Bears.